Vinsanity by Carter. Body by Milk. Slam it. The protein in milk helps build muscle, and drinking it regularly along with exercise will help keep your body toned. Staying active, eating right, and drinking three glasses a day of low-fat or fat-free milk helps you look great and stay in shape. So grab a glass and go crazy. Got milk? www.bodybymilk.com Rated T Plus for positive teens. Listener to our podcast, Jeff and Rick present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Where we journey through each issue of comics that include a member of the most underrated Marvel series from the 80s while drinking beer. Analyzing awesome and amazing adjacent adolescent adventures and absorbing alcohol. I am Jeff. And I, as my driver's license says, am Rick. From my heart and from my hand, why don't people understand my intentions? Ooh, random banter. Random banter time, buddy. Talk to me. Tell me tall tales and tantalizing tidbits of trivia today. Weird science. As we have been doing, we have been responding to (laughs) the covers of the books that are here. And of course, that would be from Weird Science, which the song was by Oingo Boingo. Yep. Danny Elfman himself. Classic, classic 80s riff. Classic 80s movie as well. (laughs) So. (laughs) And so we, of course, are doing this because of the cover, Mm -hmm. which we'll talk about the cover later on. on, But it is a pastiche of an 80s movie, and this time it is Weird Science. You know, talking about weird science, Mm -hmm. how about weird show... Jeff, I know you're caught up and are watching Moon Knight right now, right? Uh, I'm not caught up on Moon Knight. I finished off Hawkeye. I finished up Book of Boba Fett. I'm now watching Star Wars Visions, which are like seven minutes long each. And I, the other day, got to start one up and then immediately turn it back off. And I haven't been back for days. So, no, I'm not <laughs> up on Moon Knight. I love Moon Knight. I'm super excited for the series. Uh, not there yet. Yeah. Well, I started watching it with my family, watching the first episode, and I don't know, 15 minutes in the episode, there was queasiness going on from the women (laughs) folk in the room. (laughs) About 30 minutes, I was hearing my wife saying, "Mm, I don't get it. I don't get it. My water, my, and my daughter was running into the other room and covering her eyes. (laughs) And five minutes after that, my wife's like, turn it off. (laughs) (laughs) So apparently, a little too violent. A little too cerebral. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of things going on. I was, I'm eating it up. I'm like, this is great. This is really getting into his dissociative disorder, yeah, identity he's, disorder. He's got three and, different personalities. So yeah. yeah. And it's playing it right. And my wife's like, I, I don't get it. <laughs> I, I'm looking forward to seeing their take on it. I really yeah. am. It's good. I will admit it's weird. It's definitely more violent than a lot of other things. Mm-hmm. And it does have a bit of that horror element to it. It's it plays on fears, it plays on on the creepy things in the dark. And the creepy things in the dark are the things going on inside his head. Yeah. So yeah, I like it. I think it's pretty good though. I am not watching it the second episode, because the second episode came out today that we are recording and I'm having to record a <laughs> podcast with somebody so oh. I can't watch it. How draining. Yet. How draining. I feel for you. Yeah. 
But besides that, I've been watching a lot of Night Court. <laughs> Which is uh, Moon Night Court. I get it. It blends in <laughs> so amazingly well. It's uh, I, I know when you think of Night Court and you think of how it's all just taking place in Ted Danza's head in an insane asylum. And he's Ted creating. Danza? Yeah. You mean John Larroquette? Or no. Harry Anderson? No. Oh my gosh! Do you did you not see like the pilot where it was a guy? It was is a person in an insane asylum, and he's imagining this entire night court thing. No, that's Bob Newhart. Oh, <laughs> it's just a dream, dear. No, I, somehow I flipped on streaming of Night Court, and so I've been watching a lot of old episodes of Night Court. I actually am amazed that it holds up. Better I'm, than I thought it would. Okay, I was just going to ask if it held up or not. So Yes, it very much is in its place. Yeah. Watching people smoking <laughs> like chimneys <laughs> in a courthouse, <laughs> in the courtroom, yeah. I'm just like, wow. Uh, oh, yeah, this is the early 80s. We have had so many things happen in our life. It is absolutely crazy where it's just yeah. like, you know what the norm is? It's not that now. And now five years have gone by. And that's not the norm now either. It's, there's no. been a lot of changes in our lifespan. I, I actually was a little amazed. Though. It's, it's there, especially the first season has got a lot of good morality pieces in there. And they really lean into that. Mm-hmm. And I was reading up on it. Fairly, I mean, there's outlandish things that occur, but the legal process is actually closer than a lot of other legal dramas. Oh, that's cool to know. <laughs> Which I was kind of like, oh, that's interesting. What about you? Anything interesting? I mean, you already said you aren't watching anything because you're boring. I am very boring. Hey, what's uh, one of the worst ways you can imagine to wake up? Uh, my partner throwing up on me. Oh, that's terrible. How about you are dead asleep in bed and then from downstairs you hear, oh no, oh no, but it's explicitives coming out of the person's mouth while they're yelling, oh no, 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 and it's not, oh no, no, no. Yeah. Stagger your way downstairs and you see that, oh, okay, well that toilet is flooding. Well, and that person that's flooded it has a very important appointment that they've got to go to. Okay, don't worry, I'll take care of it. I've, okay, so I guess I'll go grab every towel that I can find and I'll throw this down as a stopgap. Take care of that. Okay. Oh, hey, you've come back because uh, now your car won't start. <clears throat> okay. <coughs> Flood floor is on hold, but we'll go and I'll go jump your car. Okay, so we got a, a jumper and I'm going to gonna do this. Well, okay, well, that didn't work. Okay, so you're going to take my car. Okay, well, now now I've got a flooded toilet downstairs and a car that won't work here. Now you're going to you're gonna steal my car. Okay, that's fine. Oh, hey, no, you're moving it. Hey, I'm trying to wave you down because I actually was jumped it again. I, I got your car started. Okay. Hmm. Okay, I've got a flooded toilet. And now, uh, okay, you got to go, but now i got to park my car uh, over there now. And I'm like... How am I getting farther and farther away from the problem that is really needs taking care of? I got my car parked and I'm going to come back in and I'll go take care of the problem. Oh, the kid's awake. Okay, you're hungry. Okay, well, let's do your morning stuff and I guess we'll feed you and I'll take care of it. I'm like, how am I so far away from the original <laughs> problem? <laughs> da, 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 da. Okay, it was 4.30 before I got, I'm like, and now I'm done. Now I get some me time. I'm going to wash up my arms and I'm going to, I need food now. I'm going to eat. I got 10 minutes to myself. Hey, Hillary's back home. Hey, I'm home. But she, and I was just like, I need you to just leave me. Ex- just just nothing. I need nothing right now. Just She's like, you're upset. I'm like, I just now finished. I just need to eat. I just want to put some food in my mouth. But then she did bring out a box of man flowers, which is donuts. So that was nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's move on because we mm-hmm. spent a lot of time talking about getting Toilet farther troubles. away from the problem and i think that we have gone farther away from the comic book and that's why people are actually here is to listen to us talk about 
comics. Quite so probably. let's talk about a comic book. I'm willing to test them on that thesis. <laughs> Jeff, can you please give us a two cents replay from last episode? Ricochet feels bad about doing some heroing with Darkhawk and Spider-Woman and wants to tell the rest of the group about it, but is speedily shot down and insulted, so at the next support group meeting he tells everyone that he doesn't think that not heroing is doing anyone any good, and then he quits the not team of not superheroes to go and do some tights and fights. Going on a bender, he goes to another mutant growth hormone operation which is filled with mutants and storage tanks, gets in a fight with someone from not his past, and accidentally frees one of the prisoners who turns out to be the scary-looking character by the name of Hollow. Now that the, yeah, I'm not really all that familiar with Hollow either, but I bet we'll learn more about her later, two-sentence replay is over, why don't you give me a beer and tell us what her power pack pick is? I'm not going to tell you about Hollow now, but I will tell you about the beer that I brought you. Reach into that bag and try not to get too scared as you look at this beer. Ooh, with a setup like that, I'm I'm, uh, I'm all shivers. I'm all shivers. <laughs> Goosebumps. No, it's just a really cold can. Let's see. Oh, it's purple. Matchless. Phantasm Ectoplasm. Hazy IPA. Ooh, it's a Slimer-like hops being it's a it's a nice green slimer hops beast on a really pretty purple background which is really really nice once again i, I was going to go with the link to something sciencey something mm -hmm. weird and so i got this because it's kind of weird and kind of sciencey. it's kind of I, I can tie it in i can tie it in there is a group of people that they encounter in this that come out of in you know intangibility or invisibility in a green very reminiscent of the slimer coloration yeah kind of energy field thing so yes yeah they fly in and then they leave yes, uh, they do they, actually they don't fly even. they walk and they talk and they walk again Phantasm Ectoplasm by Matchless Brewing Company. There's something new in your neighborhood, and it sure tastes good. Mm, the Spectral Hazy IPA mm. doesn't just star Centennial, Mosaic, Topaz, Citra, and Galaxy Hops. We are showcasing Phantasm made from Marlboro Sauvignon Blanc grapes. An apparitional experience of tropical fruit notes, dark hoppy character, and a clean white wine-like finish. Ooh. When you need an all-new hazy experience, Jeff, who are you going to call? 6.8% <laughs> ABV, 45 IBU. This is an IPA. <laughs> My goodness. When I first opened the can, I said, ooh, that smells like bubblegum. And then it became... It still has some bubblegum notes, but the closer you put your nose to it, my goodness, that is the most IPA IPA that's ever IPA a hazy. Yeah, it is a lot of hops that we're smelling from this. 45 yeah. IBU, they aren't messing around with it. 6.8, that's on the higher side of things. It, it's like I drove through and murdered a, a field of Christmas trees. It's just got that sprucey kind of, you know, yeah. that, that gin kind of smell. That smells nice, and it is definitely a hazy IPA. Yeah. It's super bubbly without much head on it. You cannot see through it, but it's a lovely kind Orangey of honey shower. color. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's got, it does have kind of the... Almost like in waves, kind of like uh, like the orangey yellow kind of thing. It's almost it's almost kind of like the orangey is kind of like a wave pattern in it, almost, which is probably just me moving in front of the light. Now I'm going to say that that drinking this this is a thick and juicy hazy IPA. Very, mm. it, it's got a lot of the Ooh. juice flavors in there. Yeah. It's real thick. It's not watery. Yeah, that is wet on the tongue. That is. 
It has a lot of, I think you were mentioning before, the pine notes, the evergreen notes. Yeah. I'm getting more of that than the hoppy taste. The, the yeah. hops are really coming in as the pine yeah. more than, for you and I, rusted metal taste. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, not it's, bad, though. No, it's not bad. It's not offensive. It is. Wow, that has mouth cling to it. Matchless does some good things. And this is another one that is very, it's complex. It does have all those flavors, dark hoppy character, the clean white wine-like finish. It's got a good aftertaste on it. Mm-hmm. I like it. It doesn't linger. We're making the real hop hits lingering, which is nice. No, it doesn't make your face scrunch up. It definitely clings to your mouth. It it holds on there. It is a It is a wet pour. It is a wet drink. Yeah. The hops that they picked on this, the blend, is it's it's almost Christmas tree. It's almost sprucey. It's almost gin, that juniper kind of thing. It's just it's it's a sweet Christmas tree. Yeah. Is what it really boils down to. And I keep on going back to that because it's it's I'm getting those it's those big pine notes, but really syrupy, sugary, yeah, but just syrupy. sweet. You know, just sweet. I am enjoying this. They yeah. the things they put together on this. The front flavor, the back flavor is almost indistinguishable. It is not giving a sour. At no point am I like going, oh, that's really nice. And then it's murdering this part of my tongue. It is just the pour throughout, the the drink through is just, mmm. It's not bad. I am enjoying it. Mm -hmm. I think it's a good beer. Yeah, that's nice. Well, let's get into this weird issue with weird science and talk a little about, about it. Jeff, hit me with those opening credits, you bad, bad boy. The Loners, issue number three, August 2007. What lies beneath? Credits, writer, C.B. Sibolsky, artist, Carl Maline, colorist, Beth Sotelo, letterer, V.C.'s Russ Wooten, cover artist, Jason Pearson, production, Kate Levin, assistant editor, Molly Laser, editor, Bill Roseman, executive editor, Tom Brevoort, editor-in-chief, Joe Casada, publisher, Dan Buckley. Featuring The Loners, Lightspeed, Julie Power, Darkhawk, Chris Powell, Green Goblin, Phil Urick, Ricochet, Johnny Gallo, Turbo, Mickey Musashi, and Spider-Woman, Maddie Franklin, with Hollow. So far in our saga of the XL owners, or is it Los Celsius? Hmm. Whatever it is, is that we have had a lot of characters with issues who are fighting against temptation with varying levels of success. Except for one of those characters. How do you mean? Uh, Each of our players has been a hero, and they are all trying to stay out of their suits or not use their powers. Right. But one of them does not have a suit or a power anymore. And that would be Phil Urich, a.k.a. the quote-unquote good green goblin. His suit is busted. And he has no inherent powers. Good point. He has been the stable and consistent force on the team. He also is pretty boring. Like I said, stable and consistent. Read boring. But would a boring sane man write a manifesto like we get on this opening page? You mean the one where his fears and insecurities are laid bare? Where he suspects his friends are lying to him and he is losing control of the group? Where he feels inadequate and less than a man? Where he admits that he has the ghost of the prior Green Goblin locked inside of him? Where he admits that the curse of the Green Goblin is to be insane? Yes, yes, this is what I would expect a boring and sane man that used to be the Green Goblin to write. Blarg. We're going to start our tale in media res and in a bathroom stall. 
Phil is stress vomiting because the situation is far beyond his mental capacity to cope with. He had such a simple plan. Walk away from the hero lifestyle. Gather other like-minded people around to support. Move away from New York. Try not to be evil or insane. And finally, to get his life back on track. Then his friends start to get mixed up in the superhero hijinks, and he has to be the adult in the room, whether they like it or not. An unhinged, paranoid, and on-the-edge adult, but an adult nonetheless. As our formal, current, not-hero washes up, his internal monologue, which is our green-tinged narration of the story, lets us know that he is bad at confrontation. Which seems to be a key component when being a lead sponsor for a group of superhero addicts. But, what do we know? He also admits that he is having trouble controlling his demons, like the ghostly green goblin looming over his head in the mirror, and the shadow of the goblin that he casts as he walks down the hall. Happy times are here again! Hear the goblin laugh, hear his mindscape rend. Now that the mask of Sandy has been snapped back on with some cheap zip ties, he walks out into that hospital waiting room with most, but not all of our main cast. Well, there is Maddie, and Mickey, and Chrissy. And Johnny is also there wearing his costume, which is currently covered in blood. He is sitting apart from the others, obviously in the timeout chair, looking distraught. Mr. Calm, Cool, and currently Bathroom Fresh had a lot of time in the loo to figure out how to play this scene. But instead, he chose to do his personal inventory in the mirror and the gut reaction time out here. Yep. He attacks Johnny, verbally at first, asking why he broke their trust by suiting up and causing this... this... This whatever the reason is that we are all here today. He blames Johnny for getting someone hurt, then grabs Johnny by the coat. The real adult in the group, Mickey, jumps in, pushes them apart, reminds them that this is a hospital, and then we see Julie being wheeled through on a gurney. Now, I am not sure what low-rent hospital they have taken Julie to, but I am assuming it is called Drama General, or Plot Convenience Memorial. Telenovela Medical? Something like that. Most medical facilities have a waiting room set outside, you know, near the front of the building. This place has built the hospital around the waiting room so that patients can be wheeled through it dramatically after surgery on the way to the recovery room. Well, yeah, you want to show the unconscious, bleeding, newly operated on loved one to friends and strangers. And germs. Right. It is like a showcase showdown. And you get the added bonus of the lone doctor pushing the gurney. Not their job. The opportunity to stop, let the mob of people get close to the patient, tell the mob to back off now that she is in stable condition, and then, wait for it, talk to the group about what happened before pushing the patient into recovery. This is the worst hospital in the world. Well, I can see why it was chosen. You have an obviously underage girl who was injured doing some kind of superhero stuff, and her friends are not very forthcoming with answers, even though one of them is covered in blood. Her blood. I am sure the doctor will report this to the proper authorities. Once they are done getting the patient into recovery, cleaning the operating room, restocking the soda machine, giving the mannequin receptionist who is just standing in the background a break, low-cost hospital for all your hush-hush needs. Phil does speak up and assures Dr. McEverything that all of them are retired superheroes who have registered appropriately with the government authorities. Mickey is quick to catch that Phil spoke like 
everyone else was retired, but not him. All of this is good enough for Dr. I Could Care Less, who then asked the group to provide him with the number of Julie's parents. And then that doctor will try to come up with a story about what might have happened to their daughter, right after they get through with ordering more supplies. Now the group turns to Johnny. It is answer time. So let us get the green screen up and run the reel of what is happening in the past with no sound, but a couple of comments from our narrator, Phil. We start with the end of the last issue with Johnny and Hollow looking at each other. And who is Hollow? We said we would talk about her, but we've not done so yet. So who's Hollow? Well, she is a reddish humanoid creature with thick, spiky reddish hair, long arms, and has ridiculously large hands with long fingers and nails. Okay, what else can you tell me? She is scared and dangerous looking. And? She is looking around the room and spies Johnny and moves towards him. Okay, but what about her motivations? Since Johnny jumped back and she lunged forward, I would say he motivates her. No, 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 no. What does she want in the future? Probably not to get kicked again like she just did by Johnny. Acting on reflex, he kicked the advancing threat, causing Hollow to fly back into the broken storage capsule. Rick, you are not understanding me. I want to know more about who Hollow is. Yeah, so do Johnny and Julie. Wait, what? Wait, what? How did Julie get into this conversation? Well, she just flew down between Johnny and Hollow. I'm guessing she followed our boy Wonder and was spying on him. <sighs> okay, never mind. You were getting away from the point. I want to know who Hollow is. She's really scared. That is a what, not a who. She is also confused as Julie creates this rainbow light show around her as she approaches Hollow with a few odd looks that I guess are supposed to be friendly. But why would Julie do that? Does she know Hollow? I'm asking because I'm trying to find out more about her, and you're not helping, so maybe Julie will answer some of the questions? That seems silly, because this is Johnny's retelling of Julie getting double-hand stabbed through the chest by Hollow after she put a hand on Hollow's shoulders. It seems really unlikely that Julie is telling us anything right now. Wait, what? Who? Well, the when is then, and the where is the chest, and while I am no doctor... That looks bad. I, I, I'm just really confused and lost right now. I think Hollow is too. She retracted her hand, letting Julie fall to the floor. Johnny then picked her up and ran out of there, not looking back at Hollow, who is now crying. Okay, okay, good. Back to Hollow. Who is she? Give me some information. Any information, please. Sure thing. Later. But for now, Phil wants to know what Johnny was doing there. And after an awkward look at Maddie, Johnny remembers that there were other women trapped at that location. So he runs out of the hospital to go save them. You're just ignoring me. I won't be ignored, Rick. Yes, you will. So put the bunny down. The rest of the team follow Johnny outside and try to get him to stop, for different reasons. Phil is trying to remind him that they do not get involved, while Maddie is advocating for going with Johnny to save these women. Phil is the co-leader of the support group, and he is reading their bylaws. Call the cops, we are not superheroes, buy donuts. He even looks to Mickey for a backup. And she sides with Maddie. They need to find out who did this to Julie. Ouch. And hey, look, it's Hollow. <laughs> Will you finally tell me who she is? Yeah, she's on the edge of the forest that backs up to this low-rent hospital in L.A. That's not a who, that's a where. Phil tells everyone, like I'm going to tell you, to just chill out. <laughs> and then Chris and Maddie react, suiting up and springing up bone arms respectively. 
Does anything I ever say sink in? No, Phil. No, it doesn't. Hollow holds up her hand submissively, and Phil slowly walks forward. Hollow and Phil look at each other, and then... Hollow kisses him on the lips, points a finger at him, and says... Fake. Then a paramilitary unit materializes out of thin air. <laughs> this book is so strange. Leading this team of miraculously appearing military men is a lady who we have never seen before. Or after this issue, we'll ever see again. But her number two is Delilah, which makes her appearance last episode make more sense? This mysterious Japanese lady tells Hollow that she has caused them trouble and goes to grab her, but has her hand smacked away by Phil. Smack. Miss Cool as Ice breaks this all down by advising Phil and his little group of do-gooders to back the heck off. This is the second time they have gotten involved, and it is beginning to cost them some money. For now, she's just going to take the crazy lady hollow back. Phil, still kind of oblivious to the events that occurred in issue number one, disagrees. The mysterious lady mocks him for his innocence, Maddie jumps in and informs her that experimenting with people is wrong, and the response back to Maddie is that profits trump morals. I'll kill you! And then, Maddie throws the first punch. That would be Maddie attempting to connect with the first punch, which is easily dodged, and then everything goes nuts. The guys with the energy guns prepare to fire, Darkhawk starts to power up, but then Mickey steps in and tells everyone to knock off all that evil! When everyone surprisingly stops, Mickey starts to talk to the lead lady in Japanese. They wander off, chat, bow, and then the mysterious lady takes her team and vanishes off into the night leaving Hollow with the loners and everyone else. Like us, the readers. With many questions. Mickey somehow made this all go away, but she's not sharing how with anyone. She does take the moment to point out that A, they are not superheroes anymore. B, this is a hospital still that they're at. C, that situation was totally out of control. At a hospital. And D, Everybody else is poopy heads. She even turns her back on Chris as she walks away. You mean her boyfriend-like guy who has been hiding things from her? Huh. Later, we see Phil putting a blanket on Hollow, who is sleeping on the floor of his living room. He is making some narration about hiding weakness and how pain and guilt and anger and secrets all hide inside. How are inner demons blah 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 blah. All of this narration is over scenes of what the rest of the loners are doing, like Mickey lying awake in bed and Maddie drinking alone at a bar, Johnny staring at his bloody costume, and Julie flying away from her hospital room, Chris punching multiple holes in the wall, and Phil looking at himself and the Green Goblin in the mirror. Good times. Good times. To be continued. Hey! Let's talk about this issue, shall we? Mm, 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 mm. <laughs> Place that we're at. We talk about the cover, we talk about the issue. All right, themes of the issue, cover credits. Once again, drawn by Jason Pearson. I'm still enjoying these covers, but I will say, I think they made incorrect choices on this one. Now, picture in your mind the lovely poster from Weird Science where normally we have Kelly LeBrock sitting in the center and kind of this sexy suit, and you have Anthony Michael Hall and Ian Mitchell Smith looking up at her with this kind of like odd look as this, you know, sex goddess is coming out of this smoke. Okay, instead of that, we've got Hollow 
up there in Kelly LeBrock's spot. And we've got Turbo, where Anthony Michael Hall would normally be. And we've got Darkhawk, where Ian Mitchell Smith is. I would not have chose those two people. I, I think Hollow is perfect. I think Hollow is perfect for the weird science thing that comes out. I like the theory behind this. It's just that when she showed up, they weren't there. I would have actually had Julie and Ricochet there, Julie and mm -hmm. Johnny, because mm -hmm. they were there when she showed up, and it would have made a lot more narrative sense with what yes. the book was talking about. Fully agree. Plus, I mean, I don't know. In the movie, Gary, played by Anthony Michael Hall, he is really laid back, and the other character, Wyatt, he is more uptight. If we look at Turbo and Darkhawk, those two are kind of switched. Mm -hmm. I, I mean... Darkhawk gets uptight when he's in his costume, but really, Mickey is really uptight. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think what you meant to say was uptight is uptight. Yeah. Which character? Yes, their name is uptight, and they are uptight. Yeah. So, I, I, I would have liked if they had done something different with placing them. I like the concept behind it because it kind of makes sense in this... In yeah. this scenario. Mm -hmm. And I still like these covers. I think they're done well. I think it, it's a fun use of the mediums. It and really you can is. tell and you can still tell a good story. It yeah. does make sense with weird science to be kind of you can do things with that. <laughs> so yeah, cool cover. The issue itself. <laughs> there's a lot to talk about in this issue. We are midway through this series and it still is talking a lot about addiction mm -hmm. and recovery and mm -hmm. secrets and what mm -hmm. you do through the process. I like them switching some different points of view. I liked last issue where we had Johnny's point of view and we kind of oh, got a little great. bit more backstory of him. I don't know if I like this from Phil's point of view. It kind no. of makes sense, but there's a lot going on with Phil. I don't know how successful this issue really was with dealing a lot with a lot of stuff. And Phil, he didn't have the the real ownership of much of what was going on until the end no. where he's like, I'm the one that she chose. So I yeah. guess it makes sense in that regard. She's he's the one that Hollow felt comfortable with. Even though I don't know. I, I guess so. I, I guess she saw insanity. She she's drawn to insanity. I don't know. It's drawn to the insanity. She could smell the beast within. She was more comfortable with that. It's it's maybe she sensed his inherent meekness. It's it's really hard to tell. Yeah. When you you start peeling back the layers on Phil, he seemed to be a pretty stable one. Very much so. It was his support group. And in this, as soon as you get into his head, it's just like, dude's got problems. Dude should not be running support group. He should not be anybody's sponsor. He is somebody who desperately needs help of his own. His diary, basically, that he's writing is the veneer is gone. The paranoia mm -hmm. is on full display. And even the little sketches and drawings that he has on the side. He's got eyes. He's got skulls. He's got fire. It's just kind of like, oh, little crazy doodle things. Those are kind of fun. But also kind of like showing his inner thing. And the fact that, oh, any kind of confrontation he's not comfortable with, it's like bad thing for a sponsor of a group. I want to pause on him for a second because okay. I, I think we should just clarify a little bit who is hollow. Yeah. Most of the people who are listening to this may have follow or may have some inkling about who she is. Probably not. She's very confusing. Hollow is kind of a mixture of a lot of different story ideas put together. She first appeared in back in Generation X, but she was called Penance. And she was a conglomeration of 
a few different characters of the St. Croix family. We know one of them really well now, Monet St. Croix. She goes by the uh, name M. And part of her power nowadays is to switch from a very beautiful woman who's got a lot of cool powers and who's very arrogant and intelligent and full of herself. And she's got telepathy and strength and a lot of other things. But if she gets angry and loses her temper, she becomes this character. She is as deadly and dangerous then, but she doesn't have, she can't speak and she doesn't have the mind. And she's more or less a beast and an animal until she calms down and switches back. She was kind of a vessel, or Hollow was created as a vessel to hold her and one of her sisters, I believe, together with her. There's, there's a lot that goes on. Monet was brought out. Somebody else was put in the hollow body. A lot of different things occurred like that. And then she was taken away and she kind of disappeared for a while and then brought back to this. Nobody really knows exactly what's going on with her now. And she does go and does do other things later on. Yeah. Traditionally, she is not a character who speaks at all. And the only word she has ever spoken was in this issue when she said like. So... Does that mean she likes Phil Uric? Does that mean she senses something, you know, compatible? Like we're like. It is the like? only word she has yeah. ever said before and after with this character. So take it as whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Hollow is a bit of an enigma and still is to this day. I think it, the best thing to know is that she is tied together with Monet St. Croix. Okay. And a lot of the weird family dynamics with her brother controlling her and her siblings with using this body. She's more or less a empty vessel now. So she doesn't okay. have any of them in there. She is just whatever was there before or after when all of the St. Cross were removed. There you go. Okay. And we're so with she... her for a while. So she's an enigma that nobody really knows about and nobody finds out too much about, <laughs> but she is dangerous and she's hanging out with Phil because she likes Phil. Or she is like Phil. Or Phil is like her. Or, who knows. But she did kiss. Who knows? She did kiss him. So She, she, she is another lost soul on this yep. landscape that C.B. Sobolski is playing with. I'm curious to see what direction they're going to take her. I kind of vaguely recall, but not really. <laughs> yeah. All the characters have... One thing I do like about this is that all the characters have their meeting point. The secrets are more or less out now. Mm -hmm. Chris has admitted to some things, you know, they know Maddie's involved with us now. Johnny has mm -hmm. come forward. Everyone's angry at everyone else. And yeah. a lot of these things have got to be resolved. Julie was injured. We don't get too much Julie in here. She, she came down, helped out, but got injured. <sighs> then dramatically was wheeled through a, uh, Jesus. A, a set piece and then flew away at the end. Yeah. There was a lot of, there was a lot of people. <laughs> yes. Exposition <laughs> hospital is a great name. I was going to call it total drama hospital, but, uh, yeah. Exposition hospital is a great name for it. It is, uh, it, it is I'll, very, it's a very strangely drawn and kind of plot scene. You have her coming out of no, but no hospital in the world has anybody coming out of surgery on their way to recovery <laughs> yeah, through yeah. the waiting room. No, there is a fun scene in that too, where it's showing everybody in the waiting room, you know, waiting. And there's literally a doctor with a clipboard, like, you know, the stats, the vitals that you would pick off of somebody's mm -hmm. things. And it's like, he's just walking through and it looks like he just walked in from outside reading vitals very very dramatically and it's like that's also n n you don't go through there not that's that's not how this 
what hospital are you at? Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's ridiculous. Yeah, we do. There's a couple of hints here, though. Is nobody? Everyone's saying that they are superheroes. They're all registered. Well, Julie they didn't say that. Phil Phil, Phil said, said it. Julie yeah. leaves before. They can really talk to her or find out any information. Everybody leaves, so they never give any mm-hmm. information to Doctor. It, it's interesting. We, yeah. It's interesting that they all left before mm-hmm. they knew that Julie left. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I mean, there's only so much time you can spend at a hospital. Yeah, but uh, but. Yeah, the doctor's like, "What happened?" And they're like, "Yeah, you know, it's like, well, I don't know. Well, uh, it's a weird story. We, we, we could tell you, but then they're all over the board." And the doctor's like. Look, I can tell this is a superhero thing. There's registration stuff. I'm gonna have to report this. You guys, you guys, legal. And it's like, yeah, we are. Yeah. Okay. I'm still gonna report it later. But these these people all know that Julie is more or less here by herself. Yeah. It really is surprising that none of them stayed. Her closest friend that we are gonna find out is really gonna be Johnny. Yeah. And it does make sense that he left. He is wearing a bloody uniform. <laughs> he is wearing a bloody uniform. He was also just kind of like, oh, wait, we definitely, it, Julie's in stable condition. Yeah. We definitely have to go back. There were other girls that were in peril in their back to tanks. We got to go save them. And then it's an argument about should we go save people that are kidnapped? Yeah. Yeah, it, it's Re- Realistically, I, I think I, I think Mickey was probably the one that should have stayed. Yeah. I, or Chris, when Mickey walked away, should have said, you know, maybe I should stay. And watch her, because Phil's got to leave with Hollow. Maddie is unreliable. I'm not going to fix my situation with Mickey tonight, so uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, my DL girlfriend well, is uh, upset. Yeah. Then we have then There's we have the issue. mysterious Japanese lady here, and the and the mm. and the squad. Who? Yes. One blue eye, one brown eye. Mickey says something to her. There is respect shown, and she leaves. Mm-hmm. This group had the upper hand. They were willing to sacrifice a lot to get back their property. Mm-hmm. They should have walked out of here, there with Hollow. It doesn't make sense what Mickey said to make them go away. I don't get it, and it's never really brought up. I could just, I, I could imagine it just be like her just going, look, yeah, we're goody two-shoes. We're also reporters, and how big a problem do you want? Because we can just start printing stuff in our paper how about you walk and we walk we don't bug you you don't bug us it sounds like all all of your all of your kidnapped victims have been released i guess you're shut down everybody wins you lose i'm sure you'll rebuild but at the same time it's there wasn't that many promises made there's no there's a lot of questions that come out of this one there is a huge amount because it kind of becomes like oh what was weird too is that mickey immediately comes in and is just like hey Let's let's talk you and me in our own language so nobody can bug us because we're both Japanese and so that obviously means that we both speak Japanese. As a lot of you know Asian people I know obviously speak their you know their languages. We're like my wife pulls out the Korean card all the time to help us get better parking places. Ooh, very um, nice. But <laughs> it was a very weird pull. Yeah. It was a weird flex on Mickey's part where it's just like Okay, I guess this worked. And then her not wanting to talk about it, where it's kind of like, is this a family thing? Is this a, come over here and talk to me for a second. Do you, I don't know who you are. Do you know who I am? Or more along the lines of like, do you know who my dad is? You know, is it a, oh, now Mickey's family has a mysterious criminal past or something. You don't know. This is a weird issue because it really is a transition into, we think everything's hunky-dory with our tiny little family here. Oh, wait. There is a lot of other stuff that's going on, and it's all on the open. 
Mm-hmm. That's the big takeaway from this. And also bringing in Hollow into the group. Yeah. Okay. Now it's rebuilding the this group back up. They're not a team. They're worse no. than the defenders. They are they are the <laughs> not not team of not not teams. Yeah. So it's it's interesting. I still am liking what they're doing though, because this is another part of the entire recovery and addiction piece. It's the people that are slipping back into the old habits. And here mm-hmm. are the dangers that happen to it. And I think that's what Phil was trying to say. Look. You fell off the wagon, you're not only hurting yourself, but you're bringing others involved too. Is that Johnny's fault? I don't think it's really Johnny's fault. Like you said, he said, I am stepping away. I am moving away from this during the last issue, and he went and did this. He didn't make Julie follow him. No, he didn't. She followed of her own volition, apparently. He also didn't... He asked a couple people... You know, he he called Mm -hmm. Maddie, he called Chris. They, super with their very good reasons, didn't uh, answer his phone call, so he had to go alone. And he he was dealing with a problem. In the absence of being able to yell at Julie, Phil lashed out at him. Okay, still not good leadership. Yeah, still not good. Here, Okay, thinking about it, here is my thoughts on their superhero support group. It should be a superhero support group where heroes can go in and they can talk about their feelings and the terrible things they've seen and all this stuff. And Hey, you want to step away? Yeah. We're here to support you in your choice to step away. But if you step back into the life, we're here to support you in, in that as well. That's now my thoughts on this support group should be a look. There are terrible, terrible things that go on with being a hero. And we're here because we understand that. And this is a safe space to vent that. And we can support you in your decisions as opposed to a, you have to never use your powers. You have to never help anybody. You have to hide. There's part of that. There's also the other part of making it akin to a drug. Yeah. A drug rehab group where one of the members of the group is coming in and selling to the group. Right. During the group functions. Mm -hmm. It's a little akin to that because Maddie came to find more people to help her do her cause. Yeah, she came in with a Breaking Bad. Right. She did Jesse. She was like, hey, you know where addicts are? Right. At addict support groups. Let's go there. Yeah. There is a bit of that. I, I still don't think that, that Johnny should have gotten the abuse that was here. Oh, it absolutely It really should have gone towards maybe Maddie, but not all that had come out yet. And it was Johnny's story to tell at that point in time. If you fall off the wagon and you're still trying to follow this this code, I don't know if it's the same thing. I don't know. It okay. They they really push the theory of addiction, and yeah. it is they are equating heroics to addiction. Yeah, it's not the same thing. No, it's not. But the idea that the drug or the the excitement of going out and doing superhero things mm-hmm. is an addictive aspect, and I think that adrenaline is part of the drug that they are trying to to walk away from. Mm-hmm. If you want to. Yeah. You know what? We are getting, for being a funny, funny podcast, we are not doing a job of being very, very funny. Yeah, because I'm about to be like, okay, how many, you know, drug addicts are you like, oh my goodness, I'm so glad (laughs) that he, that my, that my nephew broke into my place, stole all of my possessions, and then stabbed me when he was in a drug haze. Like I said, like I said, as opposed to being a superhero. Let's go ahead and move on to final thoughts. Let's move away from this and move on to final thoughts. (laughs) Let's talk about the Gallery of Greatness. What piece of art in this book needs to be pinned in our cruddy, cruddy basement where we hold our 
anonymous meetings. So, Jeff, let's liven up this dreary place <laughs> with some backup joke arts. What do you have? <laughs> okay, well, if we're gonna do, we are doing the joke backups, and we're trying to uh, change the feeling of things. So, sure. if if you go to page eleven on Marvel Unlimited, you will see a triple piece of art that I call "I Don't Like Being Touched," <laughs> and this is when. Uh, Julie, with her smarmy face, has you know reached over and is putting a comforting hand on Hollow's shoulder, and Hollow's looking at the hand on her shoulder, and it's like, huh? And then she's like, huh? And then, <laughs> yeah, she goes, oh, that's nice. Wait, I don't like. I get angry now. Yeah, I get angry when touched, <laughs> and then uh, I don't need to talk about what happens on the splash page yeah, on the next page. We'll but get it to is, that. I'm sure. Maybe it's a multiple. It's definitely a splash page. Let's, How about you? What's your uh, joke backup? Well, I, I go from the actual book, which doesn't have any page numbers, and I get tired of counting it. So this is during the fight scene in the parking lot, and this is right after the soldiers appear. And at the bottom panel, right after the soldiers appear, the bottom panel there is a shot. No. <laughs> that I call yeah. unnecessary camera placement because it's it's a long thin shot yeah, and, and you're looking yeah. out and you're seeing this mysterious Japanese lady coming and approaching hollow and you see some it's soldiers good. there but on the right side <laughs> we have a very up close hey there Delilah I see you're in your thong very up yeah. close view of Delilah's thong it's a butt shot right there and yeah, it's, it is it's unnecessary camera placement <laughs> no this is a uh, Star Trek Voyager 7 of 9 camera placement where they just started going look we know what you're here for here's a shot down the hallway through her legs yes it is uh, yeah I saw this and I was like Wow, that's a gratuitous, very gratuitous fan service. Yeah, I, I couldn't, I could not pass it up. It just like, wow, okay, okay. What else you got, man? What else you got? So my top joke one is on page seven, and I call it Total Drama Hospital. I and call that picture worst <laughs> hospital ever. <laughs> you know the shot. It is the top panel of uh, Julie getting pushed out of her apparently surgery with the doctor being the only one pushing the gurney through the waiting room. And, oh, my God, it, it cracks me up because Julie just, it's not what a person out of surgery would look like because she's also, she's asleep, but she's got one of her hands up over her chest and everything. It's like, that's not how they would place your hand. It's like, you just got stabbed 10 times through the chest your default rest mode of your arm is not going to be oh it's like well we could put it down by your side but no i think we'll just put it up on the area that was multiply stabbed <laughs> just, that's that seems fine i can't with this hospital anymore i just oh, no, can't is, i can't it, yeah it is ridiculous because also it's just like she's on a gurney and she's got a bag of saline on her so yeah yeah, yeah sure that, that's yeah, fine it's, this and, is and one hairy looking doctor pushing her through so that they can run back to the next one <laughs> Yeah. It's just, I can't. I Time can't. Time to just it. push him through. What happened? Looks like she was stabbed. I figured that out with my medical doctoring degree. <laughs> From DeVry University or something? <laughs> no. Okay. Look, I'd got my medical training over Zoom like the best of doctors. <laughs> Let's talk about some good art. So yep. uh, I've got one here, and this is during the retelling of what happened. And Julie is approaching our girl. Paul is kneeling on the ground and Julie is surrounded by these ribbons and ribbons and ribbons of her flight trail. I've never seen her power used like that. I'm willing to accept it because this is a retailing by Johnny and mm. it's what he sees. He just saw her land and he saw whatever after effects of her things and this is how he's describing it. 
Okay, in the original series, Julie has stunlocked people with uh, flying rope. Sure, she's but, but she's not flying at this point. She's walking, and she's just got these ribbons all around her. So yeah. I like it. I think it's very neat looking. The look on her face during those scenes is, once again, this is Johnny's perspective. It's yeah. not a look I would ever see on Julie, but I'm willing to buy it because of that. Yeah, it's it's really smarmy looking. Yeah. It, well, I, I think they're probably trying to go for like a friendly smile or something, but it's very much when she's got the rainbows around her, it's almost condescending looking. And then it's yeah. kind of like, I know, look at how glorious I am. And then when she, it shows her putting her hand on Hollow's shoulder, it's just like, girlfriend, listen up. Yeah. We know, you know, kind of thing. It's yeah. It's interesting. It's a weird scene, but I, I like it. I think it's drawn very well and I think it's very, very pretty. And I, and it sells what is happening there. Mm-hmm. What do you have for your backup good art? My backup best one is on page 10, and I call it Stuck in the Middle with You. (laughs) And this is when uh, Johnny and Hollow were facing off, but Julie flies in. uh, So she's in the middle of them. And it just looks, I don't know, I just really like it. It looks great. Julie looks awesome in it. Mm -hmm. Julie's little pieces in here are really nice. Minus her in the hospital bed, but but no, I, I think Julie is... Especially in the retelling that Johnny has. Yes. He likes likes Julie a lot. He likes her. But also, this is probably pretty accurate or accurate enough where it's just like, she's stunlocked people before with her rainbow ribbon trail. And she is genuinely a caring human being. Mm -hmm. So she may just be like, hey, I've calmed down the situation. How about we give you the benefit of the doubt? She wants to see the good in the bad. Speaking of bad, let's talk about the title page. Because that's my top <laughs> one, and I call it Man in the Mirror. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> oh, I just got lazy. It's on page four, and I called it What Lies Beneath. <laughs> the Man in the Mirror, that's genius. That's a very good pull. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm very proud of you, Rick. I'm looking at the man <laughs> in the mirror. Yeah, and that man in the mirror. Anytime you're looking in a mirror, if you see a giant goblin figure hunched over you, you maybe you need to talk to somebody about that. Huh. Uh, I may need to cut this recording short, because I didn't know that. And hmm. perhaps I've said too much. Kill when you Jeff. Look in the mirror. Yeah. Shh, quiet what's, you. <laughs> yeah, what's weird is that the uh, giant goblin figure in your mirror is actually me just hovering over you, telling you to do these things. <laughs> I'm, it's never like, gonna sleep again. I'm never going to sleep again. I'm never going to sleep again. Yeah, I'm it's, the man in your mirror. It's a good page, and it's it does good. It's a simple technique, but it does it really well. And it and always the, works so good. And the Green Goblin fills up the mirror. Yeah. It shows how big of a presence it is in Phil's mind, which is, yeah. it, it sells a lot more than what we've gotten here so far. So. It does. And like you were saying, it's a simple technique, but it's always great. And the fact, it's not just like somebody standing near you. It is just, it's filling all available space that isn't you. Yep. It's you. It wants to crowd you out. And also, I love the aspect too, just after that is the Goblin Shadow. Phil's walking down the yep. hall and he's casting a goblin shadow behind him. It's like, that's always neat because it's such a discrepancy disparity. And it's always like, ooh, that shows something's going on. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, let's talk about some insults. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about rubber and glue. What is the best or most childish insult in this book? So, I was having a little tough time. I'm hoping you had a better time than me. But one of the ones I had was the mysterious later. The mysterious lady, she uh, mentioned at one point in time, I always knew you would be more trouble than you were worth. It's a nice <laughs> little dig, and it's just pointing out yeah. how pathetic you are. You're more trouble yeah. than you're worth. And it, it's a phrase that we use a lot, but I found it pretty good. Yeah, she was addressing that to Hala. Yes. Yeah, which is pretty great. Yeah. Yeah, mine is on uh, page 19, and it's Maddie talking to the mysterious Japanese lady with the 
uh, I guess, blue and brown mm-hmm. eye. The person's just like, I'm the business. And Maddie is all like, you are one twisted witch. You know that? Yeah. There we go. And I like Twisted Witch. Twisted I thought that Witch. was pretty great. That, that's a better one. I was having a hard time finding some of the insults in this one. I missed that one. Page 19. They're all there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> my other one was also by the mysterious lady. I got stuck on her. I think that was my problem. Uh, yeah. She calls them resourceful little do-gooders. That's my top. That's my favorite. You yep. are nothing more than resourceful little do-gooders. And your little dog, too. <laughs> too. Yes. The direct quote is she's pulling her sunglasses off to reveal her different colored eyes is, Yes, I know who you and your friends are. You resourceful little do-gooders have become quite a thorn in my side. Yep. Mm. Yep. Yep. Yeah, th- yep. this one, amazingly enough, doesn't have a lot of insults, which... Not overly. I don't think that they've cut each other more than in this issue, but they didn't do it with words. They did no, it with they a lot doing of it, other things. They kind of did it with some words and stuff, too. A lot of it was actions, mm. and, and for some some parts of it, inactions. Yeah. It's weird to say whose story this was. I mean, it was Phil narrating it, yeah. so it was a Phil story, but he was kind of a whatever in his own story. Well, let's so. let's talk about that a bit because we need to figure out who is the most popular and most shunned. And this yeah. is who is the best and the worst in this issue. And this was hard. It was. I fully agree. What do you have for your worst? I'm going to say Phil. Interesting. Mm-hmm. He did have some shining moments. Yeah. He did. He did have things that he did that I liked and appreciated. And I'm like, oh, that's pretty good. But again, part of it is the inactivity of other people means that things he did weighed a little bit heavier kind of a deal. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like I almost went for Mickey on this. Interesting. Yeah. I, I went for Maddie. Okay, I get that too. She, also on the list, but she wanted to go help people. She wanted she was leaning with emotion, not thought. And yeah. I and I, and it was during a time when things are tense and she was mm-hmm. just diving in once oh, again, yeah. which is her character fine, but oh my gosh. There are guns pointed. Yeah, calm, read the room. Yeah, calm down. Yeah, that was maybe a, this is a talking moment. She also could have stood up for Johnny because Johnny was getting a lot of the blame, and I thought that that was uncalled for. Oh so, yeah, no, Johnny getting blame really. Okay, he went and saved people yeah. or helped people. He was doing good things. Maddie needed to step up and admit some things yeah. and just say like, "Hey, you know what? I actually came here in part to do these things, and I got them to come with." Yeah, but she kept on throwing it off on other people, which ah. yeah. So. I'm going to go ahead and tell you my best, because you already mentioned my best, and that was Mickey. Now, hmm. I'm going to go ahead and say that Mickey was a hard choice for me, because I don't think anybody did great in this. No. And then the people that did things did bad and good. Yeah. Mickey did kind of some good. I but yeah. threw it on her just for the simple fact that she pulled out the DOS X Machina button and yeah. saved everybody a lot of time and stopped a fight. Mm-hmm. So, okay, I still don't understand it, but she used it, so I guess she gets credit for it. And (laughs) in the absence, well, you chose Phil as the worst. I didn't think Phil was the worst, but I couldn't put him as the best because... He wasn't the best. It was his time to step up and really lead, and he tried, but he's bad at it. I liked him smacking the lady's hand, the mysterious Japanese lady's hand away from going, okay, Holly, you're mine now. And he's like, no, you're not. And then I also liked him putting the blanket on. I'm going to say but, I didn't like that aspect of it because kind of like Maddie, you, you're, it's a physical contact that is going to, it's going to make the situation worse. 
I ended up going for Mickey on this one, but who did you choose? I actually picked uh, Ricochet. I know he he was very subdued in this, but there was also the aspect that he immediately jumped in and got Julie to medical attention. She mm-hmm. stabbed, unstabbed, had not hit the floor. He was there. He grabbed her up, ran her to a hospital, got over his shock of that and was like, wait, we need to go save more people. There's more people that are in trouble. We got to go. I can see why you chose it and it's fine. I, I thought about him, but for all the good he did, then he just sat. Then he's like, I'm going to wait for them to come at me. Instead of him saying, look, this is what I did. This is what happened. And this is what we've got to do next. And this is how we're going to solve this. I can see him being in shock. I can see him still maintaining the secrets for Maddie and Darkhawk. But at this point in time, forget the secrets. This has gone beyond it. It should have been. But yeah, I think I I can give him. Trust me, I've kind of been there in life situations where it's just like, and it's overwhelming. And this is the thing that now is the important thing. Yeah, I said I was sorry I stabbed you that one time. Just let it go. Let it go. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of a big deal for me. Well. (laughs) <laughs> no, I'm just saying there are moments Wider. in your life where it's, <laughs> oh my God, get over it. It was a day ago. So let's rank this book. And mm. well, this is going to mm. be fun. This is going to be interesting. Mm. I, I don't know if we've talked about a book as in depth as this. There's a lot to talk about, but I don't know if it's actually good. So let's talk about that. Yeah. In our list here, we've got our top, which is still Wounded Wolf, Uncanny X-Men number 205. Middle of the pack, because we've only got about 10 on this list right now. We've got Runaways number six. That's the final of the Runaway series that we covered. That's where the kids defeat Ultron. And then at the bottom of the list, we have Runaways number two, where they hunt down Victor and he discovers he has powers. I'm going to say right now, I even though there's a lot of meat in this, mm-hmm. it's a lot of connective tissue for other things mm-hmm. that are a lot better, either before yeah. or after. I think there's a lot of missed boats. There's a lot of missed opportunities in this book and a lot of things. There's frustrations. There's, there's in frustrations. It. And not there's in a, a lot good way. to talk about. And I think because I think that there's a lot to talk about in it because there's so many frustrations. Right. I don't uh, necessarily it, think it's good though. No, it's not good frustrations. Just real quick here. Let's just hit the previous issue. We've got reflex actions, which is Johnny goes solo, which is in spot number four. That I, was better. I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go all the way. I'm gonna preempt you. Ooh, I'm gonna, gonna say dr- like, oh, you're gonna. I'm gonna say this might be below. I yes, liked definitely. I liked number. I, I I think this is the bottom of the list so far, just because mm. I think that the second issue of the Runaways, while it also was connective tissue between, yeah, this is the kids, this is the storyline we're setting up, and this is this is kind of like the meat and and like pieces before we get into the next part of the story. Yeah, this is the high school bleacher fight. Yeah, Yeah, I think that was a better complete story and a complete book than this. I could see that. That one uh, was just a little wibbly. This had active frustrations going on with it. Yeah, yes. I am going to fight you tooth and nail and say that you are correct. Great, great. Yeah. (laughs) I'll be very honest. I looked at our list. I'm like, time to scroll through all the nine issues. Oh, we've only done nine of these. Okay. Yeah, I'm good with it being spot 10. Let's talk about beer, because we've been mm-hmm. drinking Matchless Brewing's Phantom Ectoplasm Hazy IPA and Phantasm. Phantasm. Yeah, I'm Phantasm Ectoplasm. It's great. I am totally digging mm-hmm. on this. I uh, I want more of this than exists in my house. <laughs> well, sorry. <Yeah. laughs> I can only buy you so much beer, my friend. <laughs> That's a lie. 
you could buy me more. <laughs> Very needy. I like yeah. this a lot. This is a yeah, it's good, good beer. It still is holding up exactly the same as we started it. It hasn't soured on me at all. It hasn't no. puckered the face. I don't like IPAs. This is an IPA I would drink again. Oh my gosh, yeah. I am enjoying this quite a little bit. I haven't had dinner, and this is our second recording, and the I'm feeling it's 6.8. <laughs> What's weird about it is that it, it's a hazy IPA, and it has that very piney kind of flavor going to it, but also like a bubble gummy, and which is selling it short. It's just that it's a sweet it's a sweet IPA, and I like sweet things. Mm-hmm. It is. It has got a lot of really nice flavor profiles going on it that are consistent. You drink it, you go, oh, and then it stays there. Yeah. And even the aftertaste on it is just like, yeah, that's the thing I drank, and I really like that. It is. It is. It is fun. It is nice. What are you thinking on this? I'm thinking a four point on this one. I I enjoy yeah. it. I like it. You know, if I was a more of a fan of. IPAs, I probably would give this a 4.5. It's my own personal bias. It's not getting it a little higher for me. But I am quite comfortable giving it a 4. Point. Once again, your mileage is going to vary on it. If you like IPAs, this may be a one that you really like. Yeah, I think I'm going to roll a 4.5 on this, actually. All right, all right. That I'm liking great. this quite a little bit. There we go. Once again, that's Matchless Brewing Phantasm Ectoplasm. Check mm-hmm. it out if you can. Yeah, it's a really good beer, and that leads us to another really good part of our show that I really like, which is Kids Perspective. And that's where Rick talks to his daughter Carrie about the issue that we just covered. So Rick and Carrie, take it away. Hello, Carrie. Hello, Daddy. So we are back to talk about the loners number three, right? Right. And we are... Still doing this fun little experiment where I've got you upstairs on a separate room, and it just sounds so different now, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm not really used to this one. (laughs) I know, but, you know, we're trying new technology. We're trying new things. We're growing. We're learning, right? True. Okay. (laughs) So let's go ahead and talk about this issue of loners. Who does this issue focus on? Phil. He used to be what superhero slash supervillain? Green Goblin. Yeah, he was uh, one of the Green Goblins after the Osborns. He found the suits, and he took the suits, and he tried to become a good guy. And everyone's like, but you're the Green Goblin. You can't be a good guy. Yeah. What do you think about Phil? Hmm. Basically as insecure as the others? Or maybe more so? I don't know. Possibly. Possibly. He tries to be a leader, but is he any good at it? Not really. I don't think. Not terribly good at it. No. What are they doing in this issue? Where where does most of this issue take place? Basically the parking lot of a hospital. It takes place mostly in the inside of the hospital, but they do go to the hospital setting. The hospital setting, right. And why are they at the hospital? Because Julie got injured? Yeah. Who injured her? A reddish pink person who has long claws and spiky-ish. Yeah, they call her hollow. Hollow. So we don't know much about Hollow. We don't much know much about what's going on. What do you think is happening with all of this? What's your impressions of this? Phil's trying to see the best in Hollow, I think, because in the end, he like was trying, to, was actually trying to create a shelter for her, putting a blanket over her in his like house or something. So I guess he's trying to see the best in her. I guess he's trying to see the best in a lot of people. I think he wants to try to help people. And I think he wants to help people so he can possibly help himself. Maybe. Maybe. I guess. Mm-hmm. Nobody on the team really likes each other right now, though, do they? 
<laughs> Except for Julie and uh, Ricochet. I think they are like they have a crush on each other. So I think Ricochet's got a crush on Julie. I think Johnny's got yeah. a crush on Julie. But it there, there's a, there's still a lot that's there. There's still some issues that everybody's cu- currently got with each other. And they argue. Yeah, they're not really acting like a team, are they? They're not even supposed to be a team. They're supposed to be a support group, but they're not really supportive of each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They've got some things that they need to work out, don't they? Yes. What do you think about this cover of this issue? I think it had me kind of fooled because I saw... I think that was Darkhawk there. Yeah? Yeah, I saw Darkhawk, so that's why I thought so. But it's literally not about any of these two. It's just about somebody else who's not on the cover. Yeah, that's true. That cover is representing another movie, one that is called Weird Science. So you can see a picture of Weird Science here, right? Yes. That's kind of what what it's playing off of, that picture of the woman in the middle and the two guys on either side. That's the uh, movie poster for that movie. And it's about two guys who do the science experiment, and they create this woman, and the woman helps them become better people, theoretically. That's a real nutshell of that. The lady from science is hollow, and the two people that are there, they're not really in this book that much. No. So it doesn't quite fit, but yeah, it's still a fun little thing that they're trying to do, I guess. At least they got hollow. Yeah, at least they got hollow in there, so that's not too bad, I guess. Well, is there anything else you want to talk about about this issue? I don't think so. Okay. Well, thank you very much for your time. I'm glad you're still reading it. I should ask you, we're halfway through the series. Do you like this? Do you like the loners? I don't like the team. <laughs> okay. But I just like that Julie's in there. So. Do you like the book at all? Do you like what the book's talking about? I do, and I I don't know. I just kind of like the series. I just don't like the team. <laughs> that's fair. Uh, that's actually that's interesting to, that you say that. We'll keep talking about that as we move forward, okay? Okay. All right. Well, I love you, honey. Love you, too. Ah, Carrie, thank you so very much. I agree with you on all the points that you just said, which I don't need to reiterate because we just heard them. Shout out time! We'd like to recognize those listeners that take the time to write in or leave us a review. And this is for episode 104, where we covered Runaways Volume 2, number 6th final issue of the Runaways coverage. Aaron of Grievances. Chuck Gears. Hoover and his podcast four million years later. Jeremy Daw, who sent us a wonderful message over on our website, part of which where he said that he chortled at our rimshot joke. Keith Baker. Limax 7. New Warriors Talk. Nicholas Prom and his podcast, Captain Freakout Psychedelic Radio Show. Sebastian. Tim Price and his podcast, The Outcasters. Waffles of Waffles and Mario Talk About Things! We also like to thank our wonderful Patreon supporters who make this show and all the things we do possible. Adorably astonishing and amazing Andrew Burns. Cheerfully cheeky and charming Char Logan. Challenging cheesy and chuckling Charles Gears. Destructive and devastatingly delightful Damian Witter. Dynamically dangerous and devious Doug Jones. Exciting, energetic, and entertaining, Edward Verrocci. Intelligent, interesting, and innovative, Isaac Perry. Jesting, joking, and jovial, Jeff Polier. Just jealous and jeweled, Jeremy Daw. Muscly, mighty, and meticulous, Matthew Birdsey. Mythical and magnificent monologuing, Matthew Lazaritz. 
Rudely rhyming and running Rustin Fritcher. Steely, salty, and steamy Sailor Bear Zodar. Sad and sickeningly silly Shag Matthews. Strange and stringly steady Stephen Gray. Terrifically terrifying and tame Tim Price. Technically terrific and triumphant Toddy Knock. Way, way wordy and wobbly waffles. Weird and wonderfully wacky wind. Please check out the other shows that we are on. We have some junior agent submissions that we sometimes do on the MI6 Rogue Agent episodes of On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. And I have a fabulous show called Monthly Monday Movie Muck about on the Longbox Crusade Podcast Network. It's actually pretty fun. I listen to it quite a lot. I like it. I'm biased, but I like it. I like Rick. I like his show. I support him. You should too. Also, we have some wonderful merchandise available on Redbubble. Go to redbubble.com and search for Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Jeff and Rick Present is a bi-weekly self-produced podcast recorded in front of a live studio audience of one, one USB drive in Portland, Oregon. If you'd like to interact with us through the magic of the internet, you can do so through Twitter at Jeff and Rick Present, our Facebook page, Jeff and Rick Present, our email address, Jeff and Rick Present, all one word at gmail.com, or our website, Jeff and Rick Present.wordpress.com. Also, our YouTube channel is at Jeff and Rick Present. And if you would like to help support our show, we are on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com, Jeff and Rick Present, all one word. We are also a proud supporter of the Hero Initiative, and we will be donating 10% of our Patreon donations to this great cause. We encourage everyone to give what they can to this worthwhile organization that helps the creators who provide us with such great content. Go to heroinitiative.org to find out more. Please rate and review us wherever you can. Tell your friends about us or share your love for us on social media. And as always, we want to thank the powerful people in our packs. My wife Cindy and our daughter Carrie. My fiance Hillary and our daughter Aurora. We love, we love you. you. Until next time. Costumes, costumes off. off. Our theme music is 80s action. Also featured in this episode is Court of the Queen. All music is by Kevin McLeod at Copitech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. The Loners, issue number three, August 2007. Gonna do that again because of a weird pause. Smack. You know, the only problem, okay, just as an aside, the inherent powers, because he has a, uh, like, a goblin laugh. So he's got a psychotic laugh, but, yeah, but I don't know if... he's insane. Yeah, oh, okay, I guess when he's in his insane <laughs> mode is when he has that power. That makes good sense. Okay, we can do that. Smack. Then grabs Johnny by the croat. I want to grab him by the croat. I don't know where that is, but it seems sounds painful and awkward. It is. A little embarrassing, kind of like, ah, that's kind of a second date place to grab. <laughs> Smack. Uh, who's Phil? You. Does, uh, I did not think of a Phil voice. Weasley. Does, yeah, Weasley. Smack. Shab, shab, shabooby, shapoopy. The girl is hard to get. Oh. Shabat. No shuh.